Hello and welcome to Volley MD with your hosts, Mark and Drew. What's up, y'all? Sorry, we say y'all here in Texas. So. <laughs> yeah, if you guys didn't know, we, we mentioned it a couple times. We're uh, coaching out of the North Texas area, North Texas region. Um, both Drew and I coach at uh, club volleyball and school. And so uh, we talked a little bit on the last pod about, you know, how our season was going and such. And, you know, we're getting ready for playoffs uh, next week on Tuesday. But, yes, sir. Uh, you know, this week we had a couple just preseason warm up, uh, postseason warm up games to get us ready. Have you guys had any of that? Yeah, we not this week. Like we couldn't get a game because everybody kept canceling. But uh, a lot of our girls were getting sick. It's like that time of the year where this kid gets sick then that kid gets sick. So this this has kind of been our sick week and next week's our playoff game. So it's kind of good that they're getting all that out of their system, you know? Yeah, it's good to have some rest, I think, too. We uh, had a couple, couple just they're more meaningless games, but they're getting us ready. Um, I think some good practice and some good competitive games will get our girls in the mindset. And like we talked about, we're driving down to Lubbock, and and uh, yeah. hopefully we'll we'll get something out of that. Well, for my school team, I didn't tell you, but we've been actually scrimmaging a lot, like inter squad scrimmage. I actually been playing with the girls a little bit. I actually brought my old school college jersey today to throw it on to surprise the girls because i'm going to be playing against them on the other side so Fun. my uh my uh the head coach there i'm the, I'm the varsity assistant so the head coach there lets me get to play with the girls sometimes and push them and i get to hit hard at them and stuff it's it's actually really fun i haven't played in a while so we get caught up so much with coaching we don't really get to play as much anymore but um it's it's been good so well i think that's fun too because uh you know you get to show the girls what you've been coaching that's right you can say hey you need to do this and i feel like we're we're probably more competitive <laughs> than they are and we talk a little bit more so we try to try to showcase what we're coaching you know that that's actually another topic like not that we're going to go into this but should you play with your kids on the court? How much should you do that? And like, what is, the, where do you draw the line? Like that should be another topic for another time, but you know, every it's once funny. in a while, it's good. It's good to get out there. Right. I agree. I, I used to do that with my squad. And now that we've uh, pulled up a couple of JV girls, we have a, a group of 13. So they just play inner squad uh, scrimmages themselves. But, um, right. To, to be fair, I think, you know, you challenge your girls and I feel like you give them mm -hmm. some confidence. I was teaching some littles uh, not too long ago and uh, they're, they're little 10 year olds and they, you know, they can get their serve over. I'm actually surprised at uh, this generation's uh, the, the younger ages. So my daughter, she's um, she's 14s now, but when she was 10s, she couldn't overhand serve. Right. Everything yeah. was underhand serving. And now yeah. in our club everybody's overhand serving and they're doing it pretty well. So that's, that's impressive uh, on that stretch, but some of them still can't get it quite over. So, you know, they want me to show them and they tell me that, Hey, that, that gives me confidence to be able to do it. So that's yeah. kind of fun. Well, case in point, we were playing yesterday and one of my uh, players, she's one, she's a really good right side, but she went up and I was playing left back and I dropped back and she just has got, got this great little touch with the tip and she tipped it on me. And I, I could, I didn't have knee pads. I didn't, I didn't go for it <laughs> as strongly as I could have. And it fell. And I was like, oh man, you got me. And she started doing this little dance. I don't know. Yeah. You know how these kids are these days. They got to dance for everything. And she was all excited. It's like TikTok dances. Dream. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But she was all excited. It's like, oh yeah, take that coach, you know? And so it's sometimes when you're teaching this stuff and they implement it on, 
on you and they turn it on you you know it's like okay yeah i see how i see how it is that's, that's fun for them it's fun for <laughs> yeah. them i, I oh, love it sure. in situations you you see sometimes in colleges uh when they video their practices sometimes they're mic'd up yeah and i think some college coaches mentioned that you know when they're mic'd up and the college coaches are playing with them they'll hear the the mic'd up version uh, about a month later or so and and uh, they hear just a bunch of trash talk yeah, in your face <laughs> so i think it's fun for the girls i think uh they have yeah. a good time of it so Absolutely. All right. Well, you ready to move on to our first topic? Let's do it. All right. Um, so we're going to bring up the libero topic today. Um, and the question is uh, for coach, this is, a, this is a big topic for coaches. You know, what is important when picking a libero? What makes a good libero? So uh, every year, especially for club, when you've got like a million DSs coming in, right? That's, that's always like one of my first things, like, and who, who is going to be libero this year? Who am I going to use as my libero? And, you know, I think what's really important for a uh, libero um, is that it, it's somebody who you feel like is going to be a good leader on the court. I think it's critical to have someone who's a big talker, someone who goes for everything, has that relentless uh, pursuit of the ball, and is also, you know, I, I love a good serve-receive libero. But a libero that goes for everything too is is just is just something that it keeps your someone who's going to keep your team alive is is so important. Like who can di keep digging that ball up? Who who can give you more and more chances? Right, and I think that is uh, that those are some important uh, points for uh, for a libero. Any thoughts on that, Mark? No, I love. I mean, I think this is an important. Uh player in position to have, you need to have someone that's aggressive. Uh, I think you, you touched on that, that endless pursuit. I love that. Um, that phrase that that uh, motto for me is something we, we teach endless pursuit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that go getter attitudes. The one thing that I'll say, you know, we, we talk about different ways you can um, have your offensive system. And now this is your defensive system. Some coaches take two liberos. Right. Um, so I've seen it in two such scenarios. One, one player might be a little bit better. The other player might be as good. So sometimes if they're struggling, you can swap them out or some coaches move into, and actually we did this this year, last year at nationals is having a serve receive libero and a de defensive libero. I think those yeah. are, you know, good defensive systems to kind of explore. But one thing I look at for sure is readability, how, good do you move and how well do you read the tips the the hard swings and um in service how well do you move early before the ball crosses the net and then for me other than that is uh setter hands i'm i'm a big mm -hmm. proponent of liberos using their hands um on in behind the 10 foot line yeah i mean that's something that uh i guess we could we could possibly differ on, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's okay. If, uh, you've got a really confident libero who is a, is a player that knows how to set, knows how to use their hands. I, I think the downfall of that for me is why I like to teach more platform is two reasons. One, um, it, it always seems like those up reps are looking for the, if it's not the setter taking the second ball, they're looking to call that double. It's like there's some refs that they they are going to call it, even if it's not a bad set, they're going to call it. And it's like, you know, and that that frustrates me as a coach because sometimes they call these sets that are really not that bad. Um, they're they're probably fine, 
Um, but you get that double call um, from your libero trying to set a ball with her hands because maybe she's a little bit out of position or whatever. Um, and then the other reason is, uh, as we know, you know, libero can't take the ball with their hands on the 10 foot line or in front of the 10 foot line and a player attack that ball above the net. And so that does happen sometimes. And you get called on that. If your libero is consistently using their hands at some point, it probably is going to happen. Um, but you know, like I said, if, if you know, your libero can do it, she's like, maybe she's a setter as well. Um, I'm not opposed to it as long as they can, they can better that ball, but there's a lot of liberos that can set with their platform that are just as good. Um, they can, they can do that as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's a perk to have uh, a libero, you know, use, use their hands. Um, you know, it's definitely not a requirement, but, uh, in, in picking, sometimes they say defensive players are a dime a dozen. Uh, there's a lot of good defensive players. And mm-hmm. sometimes in the gym, when you're, when you're going through the tryout process, you might have 50 liberos. And so right. how do you differentiate, uh, a good libero versus one? So for me, it's going to be communication. How well do you command the court? Are you a leader? Are you showing those leadership skills consistently? And then again, just that the thing that can set you apart is, is how well do you use your hands? Some, you know, especially the older you get and, and your, your pursuit of college, some liber- uh, some setters move to the libero spot because they're just mm-hmm. too short. A lot of colleges like to run that 5-1. And, um, you know, so they have good hands anyway. And I think the better and the more you can uh, better that out of system ball, the better your team's going to be. Yeah. There's some great points. Um, you know, the one thing I look at, uh, I just basically look at two big things. Like how is their serve receive? How is a player's defense? Um, because you know, libero has got to keep the ball off the floor, but if they can't serve receive, it's that's tough. Um, or maybe they're a weaker serve receiver. Um, I would say, you know, for most defensive players, be be a always like you said, have endless pursuit of the ball. But if you can't start with a with a good serve receive, then you're constantly going to be out of system, and your players are going to end up free balling a lot. You're going to you know down balls or roll shots. You've got to be able to serve receive well as a libero. Uh, I, I mean, for me, that's what I look for first. Um, you know, if, if, as long as that player's a hustler, they're going to go get the ball. We can. I feel like I can work on your defense. But a, a, a kid that wants to play a libero that's not a good re- good serve receiver, um, you need to you need to put a lot of focus into that because the thing that happens every point first thing that happens is a serve and a serve receive. You may not touch that ball the whole point after the rally gets going. So, but there's a good chance you're going to get a, a serve receive. And liberos tend to take more court when they're in serve receive. So that's how we teach anyway. But um, the other the other thing is is like you said, are we running two liberos or one libero? And when we were at nationals last year, that situation where we ran two liberos and we put one in for serve receive and one in for defense, our libero that we normally played. Uh, as a one libero system, she was hurt. She was not moving well. And in that situation, it actually, it actually made it better to uh, have two, one play defense, one play more so receive. The, the player that was hurt, she played more so receive. And then the player that was uh, kind of stepping in and helping out was playing more defense because she could move better. So I guess coaches can also consider that if you have an extra DS and they're just sitting there, you, you could throw them in that libero spot, right? So, oh yeah, I love it. I, and you know, you're, you're going to also 
find that <clears throat> some coaches like to take three DSs. And in that mm-hmm. scenario, you either double bro or you have two libero, two uh, DSs fighting for one spot because you know you're going to waste yeah. subs so i think just challenging the other libero and making sure that they're still tr- striving for for greatness uh every time but uh you know it's funny we, we talk about school versus club and yeah. uh, you know have you ever found that sometimes uh, schools hide their their worst player in the libero spot yeah it, it happens sometimes <laughs> because i mean you sometimes when you're going serving zones you're staying away from the libero because assumingly you're supposed to they're supposed to be the better passer so you're going after that outside you're going after that ds right you're going after that right yeah. side and sometimes you stay away from the libero so some coaches strategically put their libero as like their worst passer um and 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 it works out sometimes yeah especially serve receive you know if they can't serve receive we're going at you <laughs> we're yeah. gonna we're gonna sniff that out we're gonna find you we're coming for you you know we we teach our kids zone serving just for that purpose we we try to go at the weak passer if we find them if we don't then we're gonna go and try to find what's going to mess up their offense you know serve it here so the setter has to you know get out of the way or take the first ball or whatever it is so um, but yeah, that, um, that weak passer, sometimes it, they put it, I can't believe people actually do that, but they do. They put that <laughs> libero in or that, that kid in the libero Jersey and, and we just go at them. So, um, but yeah, that, that's some great points for libero. Um, any other thoughts on that before we move on? I mean, just one other thought, you know, there, there's small intangibles, but I love the, uh, setter hand intangible. The other intangible is what kind of floor moves do they have? Yeah. Do they have one? Do they have a variety? How well can you get to the floor and get back up? Or how yeah. well do you get even halfway to the floor? I think having a good balance of, of a variety of, of floor moves and your ability to get to the ground and get back up is going to be very useful. Yeah. Uh, and another thing, too, is like we usually, you know, we think about like our, these are our shorty kids, you know, yeah. our, our little <laughs> our little kids, but not necessarily like you can put a taller kid uh, in libero Jersey and, and they tend to cover more court. If you're talking about being long and lanky and, and a good passer and I can go get the ball and I can pick up a ball a little better than a, a, sh- a shorter player, you know, you can put a taller kid in a libero Jersey, you know, colleges, they'll have six foot kids in a libero Jersey. Um, you know, it's, it's your pursuit of the ball. wanting to get that ball and the kid that's going to do that, I'm going to I'm going to have you in the libero jersey because you keep that ball off the floor. We're going to have a better cho- chance to win and score that point. So, you know, those floor moves and moving and having a I always talk about having a, a big range. Don't cover your little bubble that you're just standing in. Cover a big bubble. Cover that whole side of the court. I'm super excited about our, our libero this year on our 14s. This kid, she may be a little quieter than I'd like, but she is just incredible with her movement and her speed to the ball. Um, you want your libero to be someone that's super fast, and she is, and she can get balls up that you think that are going to be down for sure, and then all of a sudden they're up, and you've got another chance to, to kill that ball. She's a great libero, and I'm glad we snagged her. And I think even though she's quiet, the girls trust her, and the, she's, they're trusting sure. her to get the ball. So yeah, she doesn't necessarily need to be loud, but that's definitely a skill that you need, you know, especially into high school. Absolutely. Great topic. Great topic. I think uh, the next topic I have here is, um, you know, moving on coaching this generation's athlete. You know, what does that mean? Coaching this generation's athlete. I think for us, we've seen over the past couple of years, I want to say basically after COVID 
the generation yeah. now is getting a little soft in how they want to be coached and maybe even how the parents react to uh, maybe harder coaching. And, you know, Drew and I, we're, we're not hard coaches. We're, we don't uh, demean the girls by any stretch. There are some coaches that can be a lot harder. Um, and at the end of the day, we're out for your best interest. And, you know, so I think the biggest thing for, for this generation to kind of focus on should be coachability. We talk about that a lot. How well can you take feedback, criticism, and internalize that feedback? Um, but more, on, more understanding is just understanding that your coach should have the best interest for you. Now, there's definitely signs of maybe, you know, they don't and they have favoritism and all of that, but that just goes into uh, understanding uh, the person and shopping around for, for the coach. Cause you have the ability to do that when you're going through club season and you can kind of see how the coach interacts with the girls and, uh, kind of pick from there. But what are your thoughts? Well, I want to talk about club for a second and how that's, uh, different in this way. And, and I think we like with club, we get a choice, right? We build our teams. We, we, it's kind of a, a job interview, right? We talk to the parents, we talk to the kids, we talk to other coaches, we figure out, who's coachable, who is going to work hard, whose attitude is right. Oh, those are problem parents. Okay. Uh, do you really want that kid? Because they're going to be on you all year. I mean, I literally as a coach, I have, I have not taken players before because I heard from multiple people, their parents were a giant problem. And do you want that on your team? I think club coaches, that is huge. I, you know, it's not worth the, full season of a headache, right? I mean, we've got how many, how long is club now? Clubs like what? It's almost year round. It's like what, 10, 11 months. Definitely so all of 10 months. Yeah. Sure. All of 10 months. So you got to figure out, do you want to cut that kid and rip the bandaid off fast and deal with, deal with whatever the drama is going to be there and then get it over with? Or do you want to endure that for 10 months? Um, cause it, it is a, it is a big deal. It's a package deal, right? The parents are just as much, of uh the equation as the kids are and the way these kids are being raised by parents now this generation is definitely different um we have gotten softer um, as players and like you said they want to be coached a certain way or why are you not coaching me like this um because uh, a lot of times parents aren't tough on their kids when they need to be tough on their kids and like you said we're not like super hard coaches we um, are fair. We, we encourage a lot, but we also, um, are tough on our girls when they need to be, when we need to be tough on them. So, um, just the biggest thoughts there are, you know, players, different, different players are going to have to be coached differently. And as much as I wish I could say, I wish I could just coach all my girls the exact same. That would be, that would be great, but you have kids that are more sensitive kids that can handle some critical some some kids that you can yell at and they're okay um but you know it's not like that anymore where you can just yell at all your kids and uh them just be perfectly fine and we've seen the results of that in the last couple of years right i know you have a story you want to tell um here coming up but um you know you have to sometimes we have to be a little bit uh easier with our approach a little softer with our approach on the way we're coaching some of these kids and you just have to do it and not that I like it, but you have to do it because it's for the betterment of the team. So, well, I think it's fair to, you know, have a girl that might be, 
a little more soft in in the way she needs to be coached. I think having a variety of players and athletes and personalities is kind of what makes club fun and what makes um, yeah. you know the team you know, you're not going to have this, if you have the same type of girl, I think you'll have some more clashes, right? If you have that commanding personality that can, can take that tough. I don't know. I've never had a a team full of girls that, that were super tough and and competitive and how that would mesh (laughs) because you need some of that balance. But I, I also think that, you know, as coaches, we need to understand our athletes and, you know, I'll change my approach. You know, if, if a girl is a little bit more quiet, uh, or a girl, you know, can take that, that stronger feedback will definitely, you know, be able to push them a little bit harder, I feel like. And the girls that can be pushed, they're going to grow a lot more than, than girls that that can't be pushed. Um, or maybe they'll develop later. But I think, you know, having an open mind to, uh, to criticism helps. I don't think I would ever be a yelling type coach. I'll never get on the girls super hard, but we will, you know, demand some things that we want to see communication, hustle, energy, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, and, uh, just try to keep that fiery personality. But, uh, yeah, the girls nowadays, it does seem that the parents maybe are a little bit more lenient and, and let them get away with a few more things that when they get into this realm of being taught, for instance, <clears throat> in school or being coached, they're not as open to, uh, those criticisms. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say it flat out. Um, some of these girls are babied by their parents. They are babied. And if that's you as a parent, you know, you're definitely not helping, uh, youth sports in any way, because we are, we are trying to do the opposite of that. And that's how kids grow. Right. Um, I had a kid and I'm sure there's a lot of coaches that have had this happen, but I'm gonna use this as an example. Um, I was coaching a kid a little tougher, nothing over the top or, you know, mean or, um, horrible, but they walked out of practice, just walked out, walked off bye, they're in the locker room. See ya. And just checked out. And I, I was like, what, why is going on? Why I sit, are they feeling horrible? Are they going to go throw up? And then I realized, Oh, just cause I said this or that. And then, whatever mental state they were in, it was just enough to push them where I'm, I'm done. I'm out. And I think that goes back to the, one of the topics we talked about earlier about mental toughness. You know, um, we want to be tough on our kids. We want to help them grow by pushing, pushing them to do more, right? The more you do, the harder you push and practice, the more results we get in games. And sometimes kids are not in a state of mind to be pushed. And I think, um, a lot of that comes from the parenting. And if the kids are babied a lot, they can't handle anything like that. Sometimes it's even something little is too much for them. And, you know, have you ever had a kid walk out of practice before or do anything like that? I've never had a girl walk out of practice. And I'll, I'll attest, you know, I've coached with Drew for four years now and he's never been mean. And he's, I don't I think I've ever seen him yell. So for this girl to have walked out, it was definitely probably something that she was overly sensitive and probably didn't react how she should have. I mean, that just, that doesn't make sense a lot, but you know, you have some of those girls that just don't have that state of mind and, and parents do handicap their kids in in different situations because, you know, you're going to have bosses, you're going to have, you know, teachers that are going to be hard on you and and Mm -hmm. how are you going to deal with those situations? You can't walk out of everything. You're going to be failing in life and quitting and, and a lot of things. Um, 
but that's why I like sports. I think it teaches you a lot of things. Um, you know, one situation that I, that I came up with two situations, actually one, uh, a more funny situation. The other one's a little bit more, (laughs) (laughs) um, I had a parent who, and I've actually had several parents over the years, but this one stuck out, stuck out to me. She had told me, can I run her kid in practice because she's not listening to me? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> that blows my mind because as a parent of, of two girls, I, I discipline my girls, you know, yeah. uh, and, you know, they, they need to be taught to respect authority and to make sure they're respecting the parents. I think, yeah. you know, I was taught that way as, as I was younger and I'm sure you were taught that way too, oh, yeah. but uh, it just blew my mind. But uh, I was like, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, if, if she's in, uh, if, if she's doing something poorly in practice and we need to have a consequence, sure, we're going to, we're going to run her. But it just, that just blew my so mind. So she wanted you to discipline her for home for home uh, failures. <laughs> I can't, I can't on. discipline her, but can you discipline her that's, in practice? But that says it all, right? It it's, does. It says it all. I mean, as parents, you've got to discipline your kids because we're essentially doing the same thing on the court. If you don't do this, then this is going to happen, right? And then we got to run or whatever it is. You have to push. You've got to be mentally tough. So. That's a great point. Um, so what about this other this other story? Let's so hear another scenario that, that I had uh, a couple years ago and, you know, this this player. So I'm I'm a coach that is big on player communication with me uh, or, or my assistant. I I usually coach with a, a girl assistant other than Drew here. You know, we we work well together. And so guess what? If you're not comfortable talking to me about a certain situation, Go to my assistant and and talk with her or talk with Drew. If if he's my assistant, I'm I'm very open. But I want the the child, the athlete, to be able to come and talk to me uh, about issues or, or scenarios that they might be dealing with. Um, the parent shouldn't get involved at at any point unless it becomes uh, more drastic or a scenario comes where the, the the child or the kid is just not resolving it with the coach, right? So there's branches of leadership and I think there's, yeah. there's hierarchies and such like that. But, you know, this player, she had, uh, just, uh, had some issues with me criticizing her, I guess, in certain ways where I'm just coaching and, and telling her, Hey, this is how you should correct your arm. This is how you should correct your pass. And, and she, uh, wanted to be more positive or all positive. There was, there was no criticism. accepted. hundred percent positive. You're not doing anything wrong ever. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the feedback I got from the parent. Hey, she does not like to be criticized. And, you know, I don't take it as a criticism. I take it as a coaching opportunity. And I, you know, if you have to, you know, get a stronger backswing, if you have to get your elbow up, we teach all these coaching cues. This is something that she just uh, felt as negative every single time. So, all she wanted was was positive feedback. You know, if she didn't have uh, a good kill, then don't say anything. If she had a good yeah. kill, praise her and and worship her to the end of the days. That's kind of the feedback I got. So it was just one of those things that that caught me off guard. And I had a couple um, situations, you know, th- throughout the season like that. And it's just it's a case where she's just not going to grow as an athlete if if uh, the parent keeps taking charge of, of her responsibility and talking to an adult about uh, issues that she's having. Right. And that's, that's, you know, that's how our kids grow, right? They have to be able to handle those situations, uh, be coachable, talk to your coach and communicate with your coach. And so, you know, it can always make the situation worse, which I think is kind of what happens in those, in those, um, 
those situations where parent gets more involved and then we end up in parent meetings and that's a whole other topic for another time. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's been a, um, a really, that's been a, it's been a really good topic. I, I think it's something that uh, as coaches, we can, we can definitely strive to, uh, to just encourage our kids to, to be more coachable, to be more um, willing to push themselves and have a, having that attitude where, you know, we can be in a culture where it's, it's positive, but your coach is able to give you that feedback and, uh, and you can grow from it because it's, there's gotta be criticisms or coaching along the way, um, for them to improve. So, yeah. And just a final note, you know, parents can make or break a season for a coach and even an athlete. I've had oh, absolutely. parents advocate for girls to quit because they just can't handle um, the season of the coaching. I think that's just the, the complete wrong direction. Um, you know, unless it becomes verbal abuse and maybe even physical abuse that of course, you know, you need to, you need to direct to a uh, leadership or, or anything higher up. But if it if it's not anything like that, and it's just a small situation where you just don't like the coach or you don't like some players on the team, perhaps you've got to be able to handle that situation and move through the season and endure it, essentially, um, unless it becomes, you know, more of a of a mental capacity. And you just got to get help with that. But I've, I can count on on one hand how many parent meetings I've had with a director in, in the course of my coaching career, you know, I've had parent yeah. meetings and it's been resolved because I usually have the kid involved. And most mm -hmm. of the time, I, I'm pretty sure you have the same thing is, is they, the, uh, if the kid's involved, then, um, it's, it's not the same feedback they're getting to the parent, but yeah. Anyway, it's been a good topic. I think we can go on and on about this, but we've got to wrap it up and, uh, good luck next week. We'll absolutely talk to you again next week. Talk to you guys later. All right. Bye.